You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hey everyone, welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Excited to bring another episode your way. Here I got my new friend with me today, Mr. Kyle Walsh. Kyle, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. How are you? Great, man. Great. I'm excited to, to record with you. Great to meet you. I mean, we just we just met a few minutes ago and, and I think we should have recorded the first 10 minutes, you know? Sometimes we I should have. Like, yeah, it's already been a lot of good stuff. That's right. Yeah. You just hit it off right away. So I, I knew that. I felt like we had a lot in common, you know, just I think you can tell a lot of people a lot about people sometimes from their social media page. And so um, love the stuff you're putting out and, and the thing, you know, your messaging, your content, all that stuff has been really great. So really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate everything that you um, put out as well. You're right. It's always interesting that, you know, the connections you make to, pe- to people through social media and it's like, even without meeting them, sometimes you feel like you learn a lot, but obviously yeah. actually talking to them, you know, in real time gives a whole different perspective. So. Yeah, it is such a, it's a, such a powerful platform because you can, like, you can, I mean, there's certain people who like reach out or I think of like last year is a very small number, you know, relative to what a lot of like big podcasters do, but there was like 120 people who listened to Seeking Excellence more than any other podcast. And I was like, couldn't believe it was that many people, <laughs> you know, who were like listening <laughs> right. to this the most. I was like, man, that's really wild. But you do get to have like a, you know, a decent like relationship or like impact in people's lives. And I've been definitely impacted more than I've impacted others through social media. Sure podcasts and things like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's been times where with my page, I've, you know, I don't know. There's times where I, and I actually did take a pretty long break, um, like starting the beginning of last year, going into the summer. And I can talk more about that, but, um, but then I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that I sometimes I get messages from people that are just really encouraging and, and they say things that honestly yeah. kind of really surprise me with regard to, you know, how would I post with how they appreciate it and that type of thing. So, um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a different world, but it is something somewhere where we can have an impact. So for sure. Yeah. And people are willing to be very transparent. I found, you know, because there is kind of that like stranger aspect to it. So they almost can feel, you know, like the opportunity to be more vulnerable and open with you, sure. which is really interesting as well. But yeah, I mean, I love it, man. Cause you don't see a lot of men, you know, we don't have a lot of men in the space. I remember when I was first starting my holy happy hours, uh, back in 2020, like in the spring, like it was kind of like towards the beginning of the pandemic. And, uh, I was like, man, like what, like, where are the men, like what men can I do these with? You know what I mean? Like on social media. And it was like really hard. So I was like really seeking after that for a while. And so I'm sure it was like in that, in that searching, you know, that that hasn't stopped yet. You know, probably when I found your page, which is pretty cool. But one one thing I'm really excited for, man, just for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, because I'm excited to learn more about your story and everything too. So Sure. Please tell, yeah, us, yeah, tell us who you are. Um, so I, so my name is Kyle Walsh. I'm 36 years old, rapidly approaching 37. I guess I have till April, but my birthday will be in April. Um, and I'm married. I've been married to my wife now. It'll be eight years in April. And we have three kids, two boys, ages um, almost six and three, and then a girl who's one year old. And um, so I work as a, as a doctor, as a medical doctor. I, I did my training in emergency medicine and then also in um, neurocritical care, which is an intensive care subspecialty. And, and I work with, uh, with stroke patients as well. So I actually do like three things, kind of three different things clinically. Um, all of them are obviously, you know, they're not all full-time. <laughs> that would be too much, but they kind of add up to a full-time position. 
Yeah. And so there's some increased variety there, which I like. And, uh, and then I've also been pretty involved with doing research. So doing research professionally as well. Um, so like I said, a lot of variety there, but, uh, but that's where I am kind of personally, professionally. Um, and, uh, yeah, happy to talk more about kind of my faith journey more specifically, but, um, but that's where I am from a personal professional standpoint. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'd love to hear, are you like, are you like a, a born and raised Catholic convert revert? So, revert yeah. <laughs> Maybe a revert a little bit, but no. So I am a cradle Catholic. I, I grew up in Michigan on a farm actually. So a small town, we actually lived outside the town on a farm that's been in my family for, I always forget the exact year, but it's maybe 156 years now or something like that. Um, wow. And that wasn't always like father to son. It was, you know, sometimes uh, like uncle to nephew or that type of thing passed on, but it was passed on through the family for that long. So I grew up in that small town um, and went to a small public school. We really, really only had public schools in, in that area. And I grew up as uh, our family was very involved in the, in our church. So we, we grew up on the farm and then a mile down the dirt road, there was this Catholic church and that was our church. Um, my mom, you know, led the choir. My dad also sang in the choir. My dad was involved, like managing the cemetery and helping clean the church and mowing the lawn and all sorts of things like that. So we were very wow. involved in the church, but, yeah. um, it was kind of more of a, like cultural social involvement. We went to mass every week, but I never remember anybody talking like about the faith specifically, right. Or talking about, you know, different topics from the catechism or anything even close to that. Right. There really wasn't. Yeah. Um, but there was still that foundation there for sure. And at least, you know, going to mass every week and and having a lot of family friends through the church. So, um, kind of going from there to college, I, you know, I continued to go to mass every week and it was right around the time that I would have been, I guess, in my second year of college that Pope John Paul II passed away and Benedict XVI was elected. And that was a time of like a lot of news in the church. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I became very interested even more than I had been before about the church, church history kind of hierarchy and all of that. And I think that was good. I mean, I think I learned a lot, but at the same time, I think it was more kind of intellectual as opposed to actually like conversion. Yeah. Um, and you know, I continue to go to mass every week and, but that was probably the good side. The bad side was you know, I wasn't praying much at all. I wasn't going to confession for years at a time, actually, which looking back now is kind of hard to believe, but that was the situation. So yeah. I was practicing the faith, but I feel like I had kind of these, you know, these major blind spots. Of course, we all have blind spots, but absolutely even, you know, bigger blind spots. Um, and that really continued up until um, the last couple of years, which I can talk more about, but don't want to go on for too long here without taking a break. So, yeah, no, you're good, man. I appreciate it. There's so much in that. Like, I feel like I was taking notes, you know, as you were, you were saying things there and I'm like, man, like, I feel like I have so many things I want to talk to you about. So that's really great. <laughs> this is why sometimes I don't even like to make the outline ahead of time, you know, cause I'm like, I just feel like I'll get the topic in the moment, but bro, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, no, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear more of, yeah. Like what kind of, brought you around to, to where you are today? Was it a, a big pivotal moment? And, and also like the role that getting married and, and your wife has had in it as well. Right. Right. So when I, you know, I, at that point I kind of went up through college and then I continued through medical school and then moved to a new city for my residency. And it was there that I met my wife. Um, and we were both, you know, Catholic. We were, again, both of us were going to mass every week. We definitely wanted to be married in the Catholic church. We weren't really really involved outside of that, I guess, as far as any other groups um, or that type of thing. And for me, what happened actually, and and this may seem kind of off topic, is it was, so at this point, I was 31. I'd been married for, I guess, about two years. And we had our, our first son who was six months old. And I actually had something happen that it wasn't really that big of a deal, but one of our friends, um, something kind of fell through with what we were supposed to do with them. And I kind of realized all of a sudden that I didn't really have friends like I wanted to have, right? Like I definitely had people who I knew, you know, acquaintances. I had people that, you know, through work and, and, and honestly, people who would say like, oh yeah, like Kyle's my friend. But as far as actually having any kind of like meaningful friendships, I kind of realized I didn't have yeah. And that started this process that lasted for probably close to two years of me kind of thinking about that. Like, how did I get in this situation? Right. 
and really kind of looking at it more from a secular standpoint. Um, I actually read a few books, you know, if you, if anybody's looked online about like the epidemic of male loneliness and all these, oh, yeah. like, there's a lot out there. Right. And I was again, looking at it kind of more from a secular standpoint. And I, I think to a large extent, what happened is, you know, I was doing over the course of that up to that point in my life, a lot of things that were positive as far as my professional training, you know, really trying to be kind of intentional about finding a a suitable partner to get married and all of that was great. But that entire time, I never really even thought about like virtuous friendships, right. Or, or even like that I should pursue them. And I, I guess I kind of felt like if I just do these other things, especially the professional side, yeah. everything else will fall into place. Right. And the press, you know, your professional life is really important, but it doesn't fix everything. Right? A thousand percent. No, I mean, that's, yeah, it's so seeking excellence focused, man. Like that's, that's everything I talk about, you know, is that I think everybody wants to major in one, maybe two pillars, you know, like you have the same people who have like they're self-conscious or they have, you know, certain identity issues and stuff going up and then they get really into fitness. Right. And, but they don't really take their professional life that serious and they don't take their faith life that serious, their relationships, you know what I mean? It's kind of iffy. And it's like, they're like, why am I not happy? Right. They get in great shape or they, you know, become kind of vain about their bodies. And it's like, why am I not happy? Or you have people that also, I think dive headfirst into their faith and live out their faith, but then they have health issues. They have financial problems. They never learn anything about marriage or relationships. So the relationships suck. And they're like, God, why is all this happening? <laughs> it's like, bro, like you don't take control or ownership over any area of your life and you have no growth. Like you literally right. like suck at most things, you know, <laughs> but, right. but, you, but you go to mass every day and you pray the rosary and that's great, but that's not going to automatically yeah. like even the things you're praying for in your own life, your own intentions, like you still have to work towards those. You know what I mean? Like you still have things to do to help make those dreams or, or those desires come to reality, right? God will give you the opportunity, sure. but it's not just handed to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I was, before we met today, you know, I was looking through and kind of reading through the seven pillars, again, part of your program and, and your ministry. And I think it's, it's such a good point. Um, it's such an excellent point about how these different areas of your life connect. Right. And, and like you said, there's such a tendency to focus on one of them. Um, and, and certainly people may have strengths more in one or several areas than others. And that's right. kind of natural, but you can't just expect everything to fall in place because you focus on one or two of those. Um, I'll just say like the kind of the quote rest of my story is then, you know, after kind of that maybe two year period of, and I guess, to be honest, I was at that point kind of looking for friends. I was never open about that. Right. I wasn't like going up to people and saying like, Hey, do you want to be my friend? friend, 31, 32 year old, you know, doctor, like that'd be kind of weird. But um, what happened then is, is when I was actually almost exactly three years ago this month, it was three years ago this month. I received an email for um, someone trying to set up an Exodus 90 group. Mm. And, and it was actually through a listserv that I had kind of at some point got signed up for from one of the Catholic groups in the area. And I didn't know anything about Exodus 90. It said, you know, to grow in prayer, fraternity, asceticism. And I was like, well, I definitely need to grow in prayer. Definitely need to grow in fraternity. I don't know what asceticism is, but probably should grow right. in that. And so without even really honestly thinking it through maybe as much as I should have, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And that was my first experience in like a men's group, like an actual men's group. Um, Like I said, three years ago this month, it started. So not that long ago, like I said, I was 33 at the time. Right. So for people listening to this, who are younger than that, it's, you know, or yeah, anyways. um, And that kind of started this process of then, you know, going through that program and then just seeking out, other opportunities, especially locally, and then leading to the Instagram page that I have and, and, um, you know, all of those kind of activities, I guess. And of course it continues to be a work in progress, but it's, it's, it's really humbling to consider how it was, you know, like, like just how the Lord can transform these things in our life. Right. Because when you take something like where I was five years ago, of being like, oh, you know, I don't have the friends I want to have. And to have that kind of be what led me into the faith more deeply, right? And actually taking the faith more seriously. And I can say now, five years later, like, yeah, I have better friends than I did five years ago, but that's, I don't know, that's not even the main point, right? Like, that's not even the most important thing. 
like the yeah. most important thing is taking the faith more seriously and like living that out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you realize, you realize you can't do it alone. Like it, this right. isn't like a one man show. And especially I feel like, and, and you know this better than I do, cause I'm, I'm straight like theory assumption right now, but um, I feel like, you know, in the medical profession, I'm sure it's very similar to what my life was like in the army where the majority of people are not faithful Catholics. Would that be safe to say? Yes, that would be safe to say. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's, I'm in an interesting situation because I work at a, yeah, I've worked in my training and then where I work now is a secular hospital. There are, of course, a number of Catholic hospitals, although they vary with regard to how much they actually incorporate. Like Catholic the universities. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very, very similar to that. But, um, but yes, I would say it's really safe to say that aside from a few individual people who may, you know, bring up things that they do with regard to the faith and church type activities and stuff like that, the, the faith side is pretty much, I mean, quite honestly, absent, um, right. especially in an academic setting, especially. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I feel like I came to know that. Uh, you know, when I was in college and a lot of people who were either like pre-med students or just like biology, you know what I mean? Like some of these other more science, science and math degrees, I always felt like it seemed to me to be a theme. And, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Cause you talked about your beginning faith journey being kind of like the seeds that were planted were more you figuring out some of the intellectual side of the faith. And I came to find that it seemed like those of us who liked philosophy usually hated math and science. And the students who love math and science usually hated philosophy and theology classes. I went to Catholic university, so everybody had to take all of them. Right. And so it was like, I, I felt like the weirdo that like, I actually enjoyed math and thought I was good at it, you know, but I never felt like super compelled to science, but I did enjoy like my chemistry classes and stuff in high school, uh, physics. I loved physics, but I also really love, I definitely err more on the side of philosophy and theology. I admired in philosophy, but uh, do, do you feel like that was kind of the case? I feel like there's also almost kind of this like pride that comes with doctors um, and people that I've like seen in the medical field. I think it's true for lawyers as well. And a lot of higher achievers in any realm, right? I see it in special forces in the military, the higher up you get, it's like, there's almost this, this abandonment of like, uh, you know, feeling like this pride of, I don't, I don't really need God. Like I kind of have yeah. it all figured out on my own. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, I actually just, this book happens to be sitting next to me. I took the cover off, but this book is Atheism Dead by Eric Metaxas. I don't know if I'm wow. saying his last word. I didn't even That's start right. it yet, yeah. but, but this, I bought this book and it will probably take me forever to read it. But um, the main concept of the book is how much evidence there is in science, right? Science as well as like archaeological findings to support the existence of God, right? Mm -hmm. Like the fact that as we learn more about science, it's actually not that God becomes less plausible, but more plausible because it becomes less and less, um, you know, feasible that all of these things that we're discovering happen just by chance. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, but, but to kind of address what you were talking about before, there is definitely in, in science, you know, heavy fields like medicine, there is kind of this um, tendency to just focus on the science and anything related to faith right. is not really relevant. Now, you know, people may say, oh, okay, sure, you know, call the chaplain and they can come in and pray with the family, but it's just something that we're like letting happen because we're going to be nice to the patients and their families. It's not right. like it's something that we actually think matters. Right. And I think that's <laughs> such a sad state of affairs. And, and, and I'll say like, even for me, really only in the last, I would say, you know, a couple years, have I even been in the position where I think about my patients in um, a more prayerful way. Right. And, and, and mm -hmm. like, I was someone who even throughout all of my training, all of my, I cared enough to at least go to mass every week. Right. Which a lot of people don't do. So, you know, it's, it's even looking back for myself and my own journey. It's like, wow, even I approached it from just more of a secular, like, this is my job. This has nothing to do with the faith. And it is kind of really sad and ridiculous because of all fields, like medicine is one of them where you really do have the opportunity to be present with people in their suffering, like almost more than any other field. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, oh my it's gosh, really, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it seems so obvious to say, and yet you can yeah. be in the actual profession and, and kind of just be oblivious to it. The last thing I'll say about that is, you know, obviously as a, as a doctor, you focus on, learning about the physical body and the science behind it and all of that. But I also become more and more aware of how much everything is 
integrated, right? And I'm not saying that like medicine doesn't matter or the physical body doesn't, I'm not saying that at all, but, but it, it, I think that we could do so much more in medicine to take into account kind of the whole person. And then that's probably too broad of a statement to be that helpful, but even just being open to the idea of, you know, therapies that are more based in psychology and spirituality and therapies is too formal of a term, but just addressing that part of a person's life. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I think the way that I've always viewed it is, is everything. It seemed like for the science focused people, and and you still see this just on a broad scale today, right. In society, the pandemics brought this out a ton is that there's, there's like, everything's got to be based in science and like reason has little to nothing to do with it. Right. Like there's almost like this abandonment of like anything that's like philosophical. Like if you bring up to people who are like really science focused, it's like, natural law and that kind of stuff like it just it means nothing right like any 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 at any uh idea or belief that is based on reason alone you know like it's just like get that out of here you know if you don't have like some type of science-based evidence evidence for it um then it's it's gone and i'm really interested to hear your thoughts you know like one thing i think is really interesting in that that i've seen just at the beginning when, when Trump was still in office and like Fauci was kind of doing his whole thing. And you talked about like seeing the whole human person. I thought it was one of the issues of, of, of doctors being like the leading, uh, you know, almost having so much power and influence on like what was happening in society because Mm -hmm. doctors are meant to like focus on health. Right. And that's one facet of society. And this is the same thing, you know, when you see these other things of, Um, you know, you could even say this with like trans issues and things like that as well. It's like, you can say, well, they really feel this way. And they're really sad that like, they still have this body part and they want this other body part. And it's like, do you take in like how, what, how much can you take in and making medical decisions or making decisions on society where medicine has a huge impact on whatever you're deciding, you know, but when we have this kind of tunnel vision focused on, this is the only thing that matters. Um, I think it's easy to lose a lot of stuff in that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think a lot of it is kind of what you said at the end there, that it's physical health is important, right? And it is important to to have scientific research and have therapies and, and continue to um, make progress in that in that field. But it's not the only thing that matters, right? And I think that's right. one of the things that was brought out by the pandemic is in some ways, it did kind of feel like physical health was the only thing that mattered. Um, and, right. and, and the other thing is like, these other things that happen, like people becoming more isolated and, and people not being able to exercise, et cetera, et cetera, the also then affects the physical health, right? So it's not like you can really just separate these things into, exactly. maybe, maybe that's actually my main point in all of this is you just can't separate these issues into individual silos. It just doesn't work, yeah. um, right? <laughs> like things are too <laughs> integrated, right? With yeah. our mental health, spiritual, physical, like it's all much more integrated, um, than, than we might want to think. Bro, I saw a thing today. Uh, it was from David Harris. He posted it on Instagram and it was a video, like a live, they like recorded this video in Europe of, I forget what country it was, but was, it was in a different language on the screen, but the person who was doing it was speaking English. And bro, they had, it was like the, the screens in McDonald's, you know, where you order for yourself and all this stuff, right? Which is what happens when you have high minimum wages. But um, aside from that, like they were ordering from the screen, and the screen asked, like, "Do you have your your vaccine card? Because if you don't have your vaccine card, you couldn't order food at McDonald's." And wow. it's kind of, it's kind of like the same thing. Like I see people like juxtaposing these pictures now because you see CNN and some of these bigger news outlets are coming out now saying how much obesity leads into COVID. But like people putting those those posts next to them, like highlighting that Krispy Kreme's giving out free donuts for people who get their shot, you know. And it's like, how do you make sense of all that? You know what I mean? There's just like this complete cognitive dissonance of, you know, like health overall will make your life better and you'll be healthier and better to fight anything that comes down the line if you're generally healthy. And that's been something that's crazy for me. And I'm interested, like, what are your thoughts on like, on, I don't know if it's just like big pharma or like big science, like all this kind of stuff where we see this huge push now and like this obsession with COVID, but Nobody cares about obesity that leads to heart disease, cardiovascular issues, and, you know, all these like other diabetes and all these other forms of somewhat preventable death, right? Like, how do you, yeah, like what's been your experience like being on the ground with that stuff? I think, you know, I will say with COVID, I have struggled kind of on with both sides of the situation, to be honest, because I definitely, you know, I definitely see where, um, 
some of the restrictions have not been evenly applied, we should say, about different issues and that type of thing. At the same time, like I have seen patients with COVID, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I, I've taken, you know, just in the past few weeks, I had a patient who was really critically ill with it from the emergency department. And so the polarization is just so strong, right? Um, and, and that's been something that honestly, I've really struggled with because I, I don't agree with either side, I guess, in this yeah. issue. Um, I just, I don't. And, and I, I wonder how much of it is just what can, like, like we talk about these other diseases, these more chronic diseases like diabetes and obesity. But I think when we, if, if, if people kind of, I, I, I guess people want to have an effect that they can feel like they can actually have an effect, right? So it's easier to promote things that are kind of short-term, like, we'll just do this thing, just get this treatment, as opposed to something like obesity or diabetes, where it's much harder to kind of track the effects, if that makes sense. Yeah, and to um, change your whole lifestyle. You know, and that may be, like, you're right, and change your lifestyle, exactly. Versus rolling up and, your sleeve. Um, yeah, so I think that would probably be the more charitable answer I would give for the whole situation is that, but I do think that plays a role in it, right? Is people, the health authorities, they want to be able to offer advice that's going to have an effect. And, and some of these other issues are certainly important. And we've been in this now for almost two years, right? So that is enough time for people to exercise more and lose weight and right. get more yeah, control of their diabetes. Of but, um, but I think there is this tendency to want to focus on what can be more easily quickly address. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Dude, I, I forgot. I wanted to ask you this after you, you, your first kind of opening statement about who you are, but you said you're from Michigan. Yeah. I don't know if you're a football fan, but I have to, <laughs> you might know from following me where I stay on this topic. <laughs> I have seen a few of your posts. So that's actually one of the, so I, um, yeah, my wife would be laughing if she was listening to this right now, because I don't really follow sports very closely. Gotcha. And uh, actually just last week, just last, what day was it? Well, Sunday, I guess. Um, the bank, so, the, you know, she's a fan for the Bengals and they had a, they played Kansas City, I think it was, and they ended up winning, right? Which was, yeah, not last unex- weekend. Which was unexpected. And so I was just kind of around the house, like doing what I was doing. And my wife's in there with the kids, like, you know, clapping and yelling. Nuts. Like, being so excited. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if for no other reason than for my kids, I should probably get a little bit more knowledgeable about this in the future. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, good. I, I appreciate you being neutral more than you being a Michigan, a massive Michigan State fan. So, um, I will, I will take that. I'll take that answer for well, sure. I did go. I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I did go to Michigan State for eight years. Oh wow! So I guess by <laughs> but, default you'd have to be a Michigan but I, State. But fan the kind of sad thing is, since I've been gone from there now for, I guess this is going on eleven years, years. I've actually only been back once, wow. um, which is kind of crazy. Like, but I just haven't really had. You know, I don't have any friends still there. The one time yeah. I went back was one of my friends did graduate from law school. This is probably like seven or eight years ago now, but I've had no other reason to go back. So um, anyways, I spent a lot of time there. I appreciate the place, but I don't have a strong connection still. That's really interesting. Yeah, it is so interesting how much you do kind of uh, disassociate from your college and like going back to visit just isn't the same once people that you know aren't there anymore, you know? But Right. Well, and the other interesting thing for me is, as an aside, like, you know, I grew up on the farm. I went to Michigan state for eight years and then I moved to a bigger and like, so to me, when I was there, Michigan state was like, this was like the big city. Right. And the yeah. one time, and it is a big university, but it's a relatively oh, yeah. small city. And the one time I went back there, I was like, wow, this like seems so small now, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's very interesting how your perspective changes. That, that is hilarious. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Well, awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about just your kind of like dedication to fitness. So obviously that's a huge part of like your online stuff that you do and, uh, one, my first question I think is just how do you make time to exercise? Like what do you, do you sleep for three hours a day or like, how <laughs> no. are you a full-time doctor, a full-time husband and father? And so swole, like talk to us about how that works out. So it kind of goes back to part of it, I think goes back to the question you just asked me about sports. So, um, you know, I don't know much of anything about sports and, and I don't say that like, I made in college and professional sports. And I don't really say that like in a boastful way, because honestly, it would kind of be nice if I did know more, like I'd probably be able to connect with people more. But where I'm getting to with this is I think the balance of these different things, like thinking about professional life, home life, and something like being dedicated to fitness, it's what I've started to, I've started to think of it in terms of asking yourself, like, what are you willing to give up, Right. 
Because if someone's listening to this, who's saying like, oh, I don't really go to the gym, but I want to start, but I don't think I have time. I think it's easy to just say, well, you know, make time for it, balance your time better. But realistically, you probably need to give something else up, right? If you, and, and, you know, maybe you do have free time or maybe you're someone who has multiple young kids in a really busy job and you don't. So um, for me, it's been, like I said, just accepting the fact that certain things that a lot of people do, like following sports, I don't do. I used to be part of a golf league that I quit going to. That was actually probably more related to me deciding to do some of the like Catholic men's groups and things like that, as opposed to just go to the gym. Right. Um, but that balance there of, you know, being willing to really prioritize. And then the other thing I'll say about it is I don't want to sit here and just take credit for being like this great time manager, because if I'm really honest about it, and again, this is something my wife would, <laughs> would kind of laugh at. I probably have spent too much time at the gym at various times. Right. I mean, there probably right. have been times where I've made that too much of a priority. Um, and so I just have to be honest about that, right? Like there's been times where I probably should have said like, no, I'm not going to go there today. And it's something I continue to work on, but, uh, it's not always the easiest balance. Yeah, for sure. No, I I can definitely understand that. I think it's hard to, especially if you enjoy it, right? So like, as you're doing things that you enjoy, but I love what you said there about giving things up, because I think that's something, especially obviously like this, this isn't going to come out in January, but we're recording this right after the new year. And you see a lot of people with new year's resolutions who kind of go through that same thing, right? Like they talk about these new things they want to do. And it's like, what are you going to stop doing in order to make the time for that? Because that's the beautiful thing. I think about Exodus 90 is you realize you're like, holy cow, I have so much time. You know what I mean? Like you have so much time when you cut out TV and social media and all these other things, like, dude, you got nothing but time, right? Like I got so much done during that time. Um, and it's amazing. But then you kind of get back to normal life and it's like, well, how much do I want to let back in, right? Versus what I want to keep from Exodus 90. But a lot of people never take the time to really like, uh, you know, do an audit, do a time audit and really assess, wow, I'm watching a lot of uh, YouTube. I'm watching a lot of Netflix. I'm watching a lot of sports, you know, and realizing how much time that sucks away. And I hate when people make excuses about not having time or even if they make excuses about not having time, but they make excuses uh, kind of making themselves a victim of their circumstances instead of saying, no, I chose to do something else. You know, like I, I fight with my friends or family all the time about this. Cause I'll correct people all the time. It's pretty annoying. I'm sure uh, nobody <laughs> does it to me. So I don't know if it's annoying, but I bet it is. I can tell by their response that it's annoying. Um, but just being like, you know, Oh, I didn't have time to, to go do that. And it's like, you, you really, you really didn't have any time to do that 15 minute task or whatever it was, you know? Sure. And it's like, you did so many things. I saw you watching the game. I saw you doing this. You went out drinking like, you had time. You just chose not to. And that's fine. Like you can choose to do whatever you want. You know, you're an American, right. <laughs> you're an adult, but don't sit here and say you didn't have time. Like you're a victim to your circumstances when really you're just a victim of your own choices. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, and, well, and this is the classic thing that happens, right? When people are like, oh, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I've been really busy. And like, yeah, people are busy, but like busy with what, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. question. And, um, and so no, I agree completely with that. Like, and I think, that's the, I mean, that's the value of, of having kind of more of a, a reflective and prayer life is kind of getting more honest with yourself about what you spend time doing, right? Because you write a lot. Yeah. Uh, they may be many, many of them may be things that a person would actually be willing to give up, like saying like, yeah, I should spend less time on social media. Others may be things that they are not as willing to give up, but they may have to push themselves to do so. Um but having that kind of daily, I mean, I keep thinking about just the examine prayer, right? Which obviously that's not just about being in your own mind. It's about inviting God into that review of your day, but doing that on a regular basis so that you can be more honest about how you're spending your time. Yeah. It's so important, man. And I think people just, you're probably, you're probably in a similar boat. Like I often wonder, like, I remember when I was in the army, I thought this, and I was at the name of Catholic, like every kind of phase of my life, I've always been like, what do people do with all this time? You know, I'm like, I, I feel like my peers at work, I, I always feel people like complaining about how busy we were and all the stuff they couldn't get done in their life. And I just be like, what do you like, what do you do all the time? Because you do get off, right? And like you have right. from 5 to 10 p.m. or whatever, and you have your morning time, like, what do you do? And then what do you do on the weekends? Like, I just never understood people who, especially like with a seeking excellence mindset, who suck in, in, in five pillars, like are just like bleeding out in five pillars, you know, like they have no awareness of like, 
social things or what's going on in the world. They have no uh, financial awareness. They, their job sucks and they don't enjoy that. You know, like they're not in good shape. They don't practice their faith. And it's like, what do you do all the time? Yeah. You know, right. (laughs) So much time in a day. It's true. And, and the other thing that comes to mind with that is, is having kids. Right. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll just say this, like, I, I know you're engaged. Congratulations. I didn't know. So you're getting married in like in March, you said, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. March awesome. 19th. So that's coming up quickly. Um, so I, I once saw this meme online that it went something along the line. It was someone like hysterically laughing. Right. And the caption was, you know, something like my reaction when people without kids say that they're so busy <laughs> and, and, and I'll, I'll be honest about this. I actually, one of the things that I struggle with on, on social media is when some, when people, without kids talk about certain topics. And I, and my initial, my, my initial reaction is they don't know what they're talking about right now. The thing that I have to remind myself about with that is yes, I have three kids, but people could say the same thing to me. They could say to me, well, Kyle, you don't know what you're talking about because your kids are all young. They don't have real problems yet, or they don't have any chronic health conditions, or you only have three kids. You don't have six or eight kids, right? So we can always do this to each other where we say, you know, you're not qualified enough to talk about this. But um, the point I'm trying to get to is that like the, the, the effects of kids on time is really real and probably more real than anything else that I've experienced in my life. And so, um, and you went to medical you know, school. Yeah. Well, which and, is a pretty and, big, know, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I guess that was a big thing too, but, um, but it's just a totally different ball game. Right. Yeah. And so I think that also though, brings up the point of the more that people can do to kind of have that self-awareness and, and reflective nature before they enter into marriage and having kids, which by the way, I don't think I really did, um, is, is definitely a benefit. It's definitely. A yeah, benefit. for sure, man. Yeah, no, I don't want to get into the kids stuff and talk a little bit about Pope Francis from today. Um, and, and reasons why people don't have kids. And I think time is a big thing about that. Um, and so I want to talk about that for more for sure. But first I just want to go back to talk, kind of talking about the sports and, and fitness and kind of that aspect of things. So I have an interesting question on that. So I think a lot of men sometimes get uh, insecure of whether you're talking about fitness or you're talking about sports, right? Like, so some men, if they don't know about sports, they feel kind of insecure as a man about that. The same thing happens when it's fitness, right? If you talk, get to talking about fitness and I always do when I'm talking about masculinity, I don't think you have as much, nearly as much of an obligation to know about sports as a man as I do to do some type of physical exercise, right. And not just be either a fat slob or a twig, you know what I mean? That can't (laughs) run or lift things like to me. That's like, what are you doing? Um, there's a lot that I could go into why I think that, but I'm curious to know your thoughts of like, how much are you driven by to go to the gym and exercise and make that a part of your life? Obviously you're a doctor, so you understand the importance of health, but how much do you think your masculinity plays a role in that? Or even just the type of fitness that you do, obviously, because you do a lot of weightlifting and things like that too. Yeah. So I, I was pretty dedicated to going to the gym. Um, I mean, even consistently throughout college and before, and you know, during my training before I was married. So, so I, that was kind of in place before I became more serious about the faith. And, um, and I think initially it was really more like, well, I work out because I want to look like I'm in shape. Yeah. I'm sure it's good for my physical health. Yeah. Probably, you know, improves my mood. And especially during the time before having a family, I had more time too, realistically. So just right. as far as like, it was something to, you know, break up my days off and something to look forward to and, and that type of thing. Since kind of getting more serious about the faith and then starting the Instagram page, now I guess I see it more in terms of really the need to take care of our bodies. And I think there's a lot of kind of general statements out there, not that they're bad, but you'll hear a lot of people make statements about like, oh, we have to be healthy physically to be healthy spiritually. That's true. Or people like to quote, you know, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's Mm -hmm. obviously true. All of that is true. But I've been thinking more even in the last few weeks um, and some of some of the I just recently listened to like one of the talks by Bishop Barron. There's been things that basically have made me think more and more about truly us being body and soul, right? And I think that it's, again, easy for people to say that, but do they really believe that? And do they really prioritize both, right? Yeah. Because I think that there's kind of two extremes. The one is what we see all over social media, which is that 
the body is the main thing that matters. I'm going to get in great physical shape. Yeah, I'm only 21 years old, but once I get in great physical shape, I can tell everybody how to live, right? That's one extreme. And then the other extreme is, well, all of those people who are working out are just full of vanity and narcissism, and nobody should be doing that, basically. Again, whether people say this openly or not, but I think it's what they believe. And I think my impression, I could be wrong, but my impression is a lot of people who become more serious about the faith and to, certain ex- to a certain extent, see the body as bad. They may not say that directly, yeah. but they see their growth in their spiritual life as being kind of disconnected from the body. Right. right. Um, which and is that goes back, Right. Which is not, <laughs> right. And I'm not an expert on any of this kind of stuff, but that's, I remember now that's actually the talk I was listening to not long, long ago oh, was okay. about how Gnosticism has persisted in various oh, kind of yeah. form. So um, I don't know if that, if that all makes sense, but so to me, to summarize, oh, sure. I guess, you know, physical exercise, we, we, we don't like, we really need to take care of our bodies and we, we can't go too much in that direction. Right. Obviously we can enter into vanity and narcissism. Definitely. And I just want to kind of say something about that too, because, um, you know, through my Instagram page, people have messaged me about that at times. Like, don't you think a lot of this is just vanity? And I guess my response mm. to that would be, yeah, I think people definitely can, work out and that can lead to vanity and narcissism. But I guess my, my question to that would be, well, what's the alternative? Are you saying that it's automatically virtuous not to work out? Because that seems kind of ridiculous too, right? Yeah. So I think we just need to be more kind of honest with ourselves about, yeah, there's obviously a balance there, but I don't think the answer to the potential of vanity is to say, well, I'm never going to do this at all. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of women, and uh a decent amount of soft men like don't get that we like somewhat feed off that shit too you know like i remember when i was deployed was when i got my biggest and i was in the best strength shape of my life i definitely my runtime wasn't great you know but i was i was lifted i was lifting some heavy things and i just remember every time before, before i go to the gym i'd watch either Matt Fraser or Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I would literally go back and forth. And one day I'd be doing CrossFit stuff. And one day I'd be just bro lifting. And like, right. whichever one I watched was what I went to do. Um, but like, you like, like, I like watching dudes, you know, like, I mean, it sounds weird. Like I like watching dudes work out on the screen and just like push sure. themselves or David Goggin videos, you know, like there's a reason why he runs while he's giving his talks or whatever, you know, and he's shirtless and running and like, that like awakens something in men, just like we love seeing the videos of battle and all these other things. Like we're very visual, you know? And so it is inspiring to see some of that stuff. And I think a lot of people don't get that because um, women for women, it's not the same. And I think a lot of guys don't have that kind of awakened in them yet. You know, that certain like kind of masculinity. Um, I don't don't know if like masculine genius is the right word for it, but like there's just a certain sense of masculinity. And that's one of the things that frustrates me about especially men who don't work out and i always share this story when i'm giving like a masculinity talk is i always feel like there's this kind of bystander effect around a lot of men because we didn't have this issue as much like obesity obviously is is kind of a new phenomenon in the last several decades of the united states last i mean you could say 100 years but it wasn't the same in you know the 1700s 1800s whatever but my point is that like men need to be ready to go to war you know, and like, that's part of the reason why obviously like a lot of my fitness journey when I started actually exercising was I was at an ROTC and then I was an active duty infantry officer. And so now I'm still on the, the inactive reserves. And so it's like, you can get called up, man. Like you can't just get fat and out of shape. Some people do, and they don't care about that. But my whole philosophy all the time is like, who's going to go? Like, if we do need, like, if shit goes down, it's like, we need people to go, like, who's going to be ready to go. And some of these guys who can't do a push up or, you know, can't lift a, a rucksack, like you're going to, they're useless. And it's like, I don't understand. Like it's this, this huge disconnect for me with a lot of Catholic men who take this like provide protect mentality that can't actually provide or protect. Right. Well, I heard at one point somebody was talking about, you know, it's a problem if, if you can like pray in Latin, but you can't run a mile right now, <laughs> obviously that's kind of a sarcastic comment, but no, I think, I think that's, that's I think it would almost accurate. be more more relevant to say you could pray in Latin but can't lift the bar. But right. Right. And you're right. It has, you know, I Got heard these somebody noodle arms. talk one time about how even when you see pictures, like maybe you see a picture from 
I think they use the example of Woodstock, which is obviously not a good event from what I'm aware of it. But you see a picture of these guys like back in that era and you can see like their ribs, many of them, right? Just like average people out oh, there yeah. were like thin enough that, you know, they were like, um, and in, so you're right. There definitely have been changes in kind of the average body. I guess the other question that I would have from a faith standpoint is for a person, like, what are you doing related to mortification? Because that's, you know, and, and some people may say, look, I really am too busy that I, I can't go to the gym because of my job, my family. So maybe they do more fasting or something like that. Right. But the reality is most people today don't have that visit, at least in the United States, don't really have physically demanding jobs. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, what are you like? What is a person doing individually to have more discipline and push themselves physically? And I'm not saying that that needs to be weightlifting, but it could be weightlifting or it could be other physical exercise. Right. right? Um, and uh, I think that's something that, you know, we should be asking ourselves. And then there's also obviously the short term benefits too. I don't think I mentioned directly, but yes, I can think of several times where I've been kind of, you know, not focused, dragging through the day, low mood, and I go to the gym and I come back and the rest of the day is better. Like that's the reality of it too. Right. But, you know, that's kind of the short-term benefits. And then there's obviously the kind of longer-term view and, and just the integration of it as part of trying to grow in virtue, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's especially true for men that our jobs over the last, you know, thousand years have become ex extremely less physically demanding. Right. Like obviously even women were a lot more active, obviously, back in the day when they were like sewing stuff all the time. I mean, go even further back when you like go get water from the well. Right. Like, right. I mean, women used to grind. There's no doubt about it. Uh, like homemaking used to be an absolute chore. But like men used to like go out and hunt. And then you had men like working in steel mills and doing all this other. Like we did a lot of physical activity. Um, and now most of us just sit down all day. You know, right. myself included. I mean, I have a standing desk, so I sit and stand in this spot all day. <laughs> Luckily, I have a dog to walk and things like that. But that's the importance of going to the gym, man. I think it's so true. But I want to go back to the the kids stuff, man. So talking about not having time, people not having kids today is one of the controversial statement, controversial in the world. I think it's very Catholic and not controversial to Catholics. Um, but Pope Francis's words today, I know you haven't gotten to read the article yet, um, but I read the National Catholic Register. talks about Pope Francis's words about just the importance of having children and how it can be selfish for especially married couples to not be open to adoption or open to life. Um, but instead just, you know, buy pets and act like they're pets of their kids. Uh, and I, I really struggled. I know we don't have to go too like philosophically into why I think it's crazy that people have backlash against that, but I've been really interested in my just discussion with people on social media about this of how people, especially Catholics, like have any problem with that. Because I'm like right. procreation, like like openness to life is like in the marriage vows, you know. Like, there's yeah. no there's no way around it. I like had one person we were having a good conversation about, it, and I just like asked. I was very Socratic and just asked her questions. But I'm like, do you? I'm like, do you think that somebody's openness to life like has an impact on their salvation or not? And she's like, yeah, it might. But I still think people that are not open to life can like still go to heaven. I'm like, I'm not saying they can't, right? Like, like the door's closed to them. Sure. Um, but I I think at the same time the church teaches that you have two major vocations, right? Either religious life or married life. Um, from one of the married life, like the top two reasons that God created marriage was for like the sanctification of the other person, getting them to heaven and for procreation. Like that's a top, like th those are the two reasons, right? Like, right. I mean, that's like the top two things. And for you to completely shut off one, which also impacts the other for your major vocation, which is your major path to salvation. Like that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. It is. And I think part of, I think part of the, um, you know, obviously there's a lot that could be said about natural family planning. Um, but I think that part of the kind of beauty of it is, is admitting that that's to yourself, that it's kind of an ongoing discernment, right? Like, like, I think there's so many people that, that feel like they should approach marriage of saying, okay, you know, how many kids are we going to have? Well, we're going to have two kids. If we have a boy and a girl, or if we have dope, two boys and we'll have, a, you know, it's like, has to be this exact yeah. planning and, and you need to write your life. Right. And, and, and now with that said, and I don't want to go too much off on a tangent with this, but with kind of the modern methods of natural family planning, there are effective, right? So 
there is yeah. the the component of practicing NFP, but even within that, how open are you going to be with life into life within? Like how many? You know, th- what I'm trying to say is you actually do have a fair amount of control over how many children you have. Right? Yeah, for sure. So that's you know that's kind of like there's the act of of deciding we're not going to use contraception, but there's still the decision of well, how many children are we going to at least intentionally have? And if you look right. at a me- method like Marquette, that's 98, 99% effective when it's used ideally, like you have a fair amount of, of deciding or decision-making um, about that. But yeah, I saw what you posted about the article and in some of the comments, um, but like, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by it. And it was, you know, people making comments, basically, of course, criticizing the Pope just in general, criticizing the Catholic faith, yeah. you know, saying, why would, and, and here, probably the comment that stuck with me the most is the person who said, why would we want to bring any children into this mess, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's something that we, and there are a lot of people who actually feel that way. Oh, um, for sure. Related to- Catholics and not, world, yeah. Yes, the world being such a mess and and related to, you know, issues around- climate change and all sorts of things. And I think it's, it's very, I mean, it is very sad because you're right. It is such an integral part of the vocation. Um, and, uh, I think it's just one of the many, but probably one of the more insidious attacks on the family, right. Of people feeling like they shouldn't have kids. Um, and, and people really actually being offended by couples who do decide to have more than X number of kids, right? Whatever that oh, person yeah. decides. You, you probably look many. crazy to a lot of doctors, I'm sure. Yeah. Having three so, kids and being a doctor. Right. And, um, and you know, and, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but a huge part of my vocation is, is obviously the, the, what my, so being married to my wife and also the role that she plays, right? Because even going back to what you mentioned earlier about my time, I go to the gym. Well, a lot of that, a, a lot of that is, 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 her being willing to support me in that. Right. Um, maybe sometimes being kind of annoyed by it, but, but being willing to support me in that. And the fact that, you know, she stays home, she's not working currently. And so there's all sorts of factors like that as well. Um, but, uh, sorry, I don't, I, I can't, don't mean to go on and on if I didn't get to the initial question you asked about the article, but the main thing I took away from the few comments I saw was that I shouldn't be surprised by this. I shouldn't be surprised by this reaction to the Pope saying that people should be open to having kids. Bro. Right. Um, That's what I'm saying. That's what I don't get what people get so upset about it is like, I I took everybody who kind of like disagreed or like had some statement about it. Like my first question is like, are you Catholic? Because if you disagree with the Pope, like who gives like, I don't give a shit what some Muslim imam says about marriage, right? Like, I don't care what some Jewish leader or some Hindu leader says about parenthood because it doesn't affect me, right? So it's like, they're speaking to their people and that's fine, you know? And like the Pope is speaking to Catholics. And if you are Catholic, then this this is like, this should not be news, right? Like the problem is that you're surprised by it if you're Catholic, <laughs> not well, that, you know, not anything that he said. But if you're not Catholic, why get upset about it? You right. don't care about what we believe in anything else. Why is this like going to be so personally offensive to you? Well, and that is something we've seen repeatedly, right? When even kind of very basic, oh yeah, well-established teachings are brought up, and people say, "Oh, yeah, I can't believe this." Um, and there's also all uh, very quickly the attack on the church of basically just trying to discredit the church of saying, "Well, you don't have any platform to you know focus on your real problems type thing. You don't have any platform to talk about this." Um, but um, you know, but I do think there is some hope if you, I mean, I do think there's some encouragement. I do think more and more young couples are starting to see kind of more the original teaching of the church and, and being more open oh, yeah. to having bigger families. And, you know, that's been, that's, and I'm again, not an expert on any of this, but it's very kind of interesting to observe that over time, right? Like when my parents were growing up, it was very common for people to have six, eight, 10, 12 kids. Right. And then in their generation, the majority of, One, of them had two, three, maybe three. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that the answer is for everybody to have 10 kids, but to, to have that open, to at least be open to that discernment. Right. I think that's like the main thing. And, and is it a struggle? Yeah. It's a, it, I think it's an ongoing struggle to say, you know, are we, should we have another child now? Should we wait? Should, you know, but yeah. that's one of the many struggles of the faith, right? Yeah, for sure. The uh, constant discernment, right? Um, but one thing that I get like a weird sense of hope from seeing comments like that on the CNN post from Pope Francis is uh, like to me, sometimes like the, the real hard negative backlash gives me hope in the sense that like, 
like so many of these people just don't know. Right. And I, I think like I'm somebody who, like I, if you see this, like I post about a lot of conservative stuff, a lot of social issues, a lot of social things, a lot of stuff in the church. And it's easy to get into this place where you think everybody's fully, ed- you think everybody's apostatizing when sometimes they're just like heretical. Right. And the difference is like somebody who apostatizes is somebody who knows and accepts the faith and then rejects it anyways. Right. So you see this with like the German bishops who are like blessing same sex couples. Right. Like that's apostasy. And that is like a grave offense to God for us to know the faith and then reject it anyways, do things that we know are offensive to him with no remorse. But it's easy to think that everybody's doing that. Right. Like everybody who's out here in the world, that's super pro choice. That's super pushing, you know, gender theory on kids and all these things like some of these people are just like victims of propaganda. You know, they've never been taught the truth. They've never been exposed to the Catholic faith. They've never been exposed to true Christianity. And so they're out here just truly wondering and lost. And obviously that's really sad and devastating, but I'd rather be in a mess from people who didn't know any better. You know, it's like having like an untrained dog, right? Like if you have a dog from the kennel, you bring them home and they're like, they've been abused and like neglected and they're, they're being a little asshole, you know, in your living room. It's like, it's a little bit easier than if you had a good dog that just one day just decides to tear your stuff up, right? It's a little bit more frustrating. And so it's like, you can have more compassion almost in a sense. It really awakens this need in, in me to like, we need to evangelize better. You need to be more of a saint, right? Like you need to be holier because people need to encounter you and you need to be out there in the world, like encountering these people and teaching them the truth because they're obviously not encountering it. And it's different than I think people who are fully formed uh, and know all this stuff. And we just assume that everybody knows what we know and that people are just choosing to be evil. And I don't think that's true for so many people. I think they're just victims of the times and the world, you know? Well, and it's probably too, you know, it's probably too optimistic. All of those people in that situation um, are not necessarily seeking, if you will, but some of them probably are, right? Like I had a, a conversation with a priest recently and he had, um, basically, basically celebrate or officiated a wedding and obviously went through marriage prep with a couple who, um, you know, were a little less traditional than a lot of Catholic couples from what I picked up on. But the, the point that he was making is that through being part of that ceremony and then the reception after he met a lot of people who are not practicing any faith, but they were legitimately very interested, right? They were asking him a lot of questions. They were now, some people may say, well, that priest should have never been there. Like he had no business being there unless the couple was perfectly orthodox. But then others may say, and I kind of feel this way, like, no, he should be present there, ask, you know, answering questions, yeah. being an example. And contrasting that with people who seem to be seeking versus those who are, quite honestly, maybe Catholic in name only, you know, yeah. who already feel like, well, I'm Catholic. I know everything about the church. I went yep. to Catholic school. No, I don't even go to mass. But like, I know, have this attitude of like knowing about the faith when they don't. Right. Right. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Wildly so, frustrating. You know, so, so, and because again, this is just my opinion, but I feel like in the generation of more my parents' generation, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of people who are culturally, socially Catholic, kind of have this attitude of, I know about Catholicism, but they don't do anything other than go to Mass, if they even do that, right? They never read about the faith. They never talk about the faith. And I think that in some cases, it can almost be more encouraging to have people who are at least open to seeking as opposed to people who aren't. Right. No, 100%. That's what I think is, it's the beauty of a lot of people love conference to the Catholic faith because of this. You know, there's yes. like this act of seeking out and they're choosing it for themselves in a, in a very profound way. Um, but no, I definitely agree with that. I've always said that some of the most frustrating people in my whole life have been people who have been like, I'm Catholic, but, and they, you know, spout some really crazy stuff, but yeah, I wouldn't be mindful of your time here. So just last question, and this, this might be a long answer for you, but just inspire us to have some kids, man. So talk to me about how have, you know, getting married, how's getting married and having children, how's it really impacted you, your spiritual life, your, your manhood, all this, all this, like just in general, how's it made you a better man? Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, and improved your I life. have conversations like this, I sometimes look back and say, gosh, I feel like I was too negative about it. Right. Cause obviously there are challenges associated with any vocation and including um, having kids, but it's been a huge blessing. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is just seeing how 
like, first of all, kids are legitimately a lot of fun, right? I mean, from one minute to the next, they may be laughing versus, you know, screaming at you, but they are really a lot of fun. And my kids, the oldest is, is five. So they're young. Um, and it's very interesting to see them kind of go through their stages. I also just think there's more and more truth to the fact of like really how it is part of our sanctification, right? And the challenges are definitely part of that. I mean, there's a lot of being a parent even, and I'm sure this happens even more as kids get older and they have more, you know, quote, real world problems. That's just humbling and that you kind of just have to turn over to like, yeah, I try to be a positive influence. I try to be present, but it really kind of shows you your, your limitations. And in growing in the spiritual life, I think it's important to see that. And, and it's kind of that, in, in small ways, kind of actively putting yourself out there daily, right. Of like, yeah. of being willing to take the risk. Um, and in some ways it would be safer to say, well, I'm not going to have kids. It would be less risky to say, I'm not going to have kids or have more kids. Um, but there's a beauty in that and kind of being willing to, to risk that. And, and like I said, there's also just the moments of, you know, just being a lot of fun. I think, it's it's becoming more common now that people will post like the Instagram versus reality posts, right? And we all put our pictures out there with our kids looking, you know, sitting there like yeah, behaved and smiling. Right. And Christmas obviously card. that's not yeah. all the time by any means. Um, but that is some of the time, right? And and yeah. that's that's the other part of it. Um and then the the last thing I'll obviously there's so much that can be said about this, but also just how like how it changes your marriage right because clearly with your spouse you have that connection and and you love each other and you have that marriage but then having children in the mix it's like i mean you know i I know it's it's a lot of people say kind of idealistic to think of marriage in terms of the trinity and kind of this out but but there is there is that aspect of it of like okay there's the two of us and now we're turning outward right now we're looking at this third person or this set of three people and and like we're both loving this person and it changes both. And so you see how it changes you, but you also see how it changes your spouse, right? Right. And um, and, and brings out sometimes, you know, the more challenging bad traits, but oftentimes the good traits. I mean, my, um, you know, I think one of the challenges for fathers and some people are, are not, this is kind of hard to talk about, but I think, and I've talked to a, certain, a number of dads about this that dads sometimes don't have that immediate connection with their kids or oftentimes don't have that immediate connection in the same way that mothers do. That's mm-hmm. not to say that we don't love our children, but there is this kind of particular connection, I think, in a lot of cases, especially when the children are young. And that can, can you know, continue even through the first few years of life. Um, and, and so there may not be that, that depth of connection that a father hoped that he had initially, but then it's something that grows over time. But a positive aspect of that too is like, wow, my wife is even more amazing than I thought she was, right? Like yeah. more loving, patient um, than, than she was before, right? Then I, then, and then the way you see her. So there's all sorts of dynamics there in the family um, that are really beautiful. And, uh, and I think that's something that is important to step back and consider those things too in prayer and, in, in, you know, and can also be part of like in the daily exam and that type of thing. Right. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. That's so awesome to hear. And I think it's just so cool to get to see, like one thing I'm really excited for God willing to be a father one day is just the opportunity to be, and I think this is intimidating to a lot of people, but the opportunity to be the most like influential person, you know, in somebody's most influential and like developmental years, you know, or like a group of, right. a group of little humans, like you get to literally form them and help prepare them for the world. And I think that I see somebody like that comment that you pointed out on Instagram that we saw of why would I want to bring somebody into this mess? Like, I think there's a lot of insecurity about themselves in that. Yeah. And I think that person's probably the type of person, like average person today that's on like mental health medicine and struggles with their physical health and doesn't have a faith life. And it's just kind of lost themselves. And it's like, why would I want to bring somebody, if you're lost, why would you want to bring somebody else into being lost? But I feel like if you found the truth and you've shot, you strive to develop yourself, obviously I'm sure it's still unbelievably intimidating, right? It's still overwhelming at times, but what a beautiful challenge. What isn't in life that's worth doing, you know? And so like the, I remember a good friend of mine one day or the day before he got married, maybe it was the day of his, I can't remember. It was the day before the day of, and he said, I'm about to do the most courageous thing I'll, I'll ever do in my life. 
you know, of getting married and like committing to yourself right. to somebody for the rest of your life. Like it's a pretty big effing deal, you know? And yeah. we kind of like look at it as like, cause there's the divorce, right? You know, no fault divorce. You're kind of like, yeah, it's like kind of a commitment, but if you're Catholic and you're serious about it, um, it is very courageous. And I think that that should be something that in men, we should talk about more, especially in the faith and drawing men into the faith of just like how courageous it is when it's done right. Um, and you actually embrace that responsibility and, yeah, man, it's awesome. I have a lot of admiration for you and all the other good fathers out there who are striving to live their faith and be healthy and excel in your career, man. It's awesome to see. Well, and one of the things I've been surprised about with my my Instagram page, because when I initially kind of put things out there, I was like, well, this is going to appeal to guys like me, right? Like who have young families. And and that's certainly, I think, a lot of the people who who follow the page. But I've also received a number of messages from men who are not yet married, right? They're maybe in their low 20s, Maybe they're not even dating yet, but they feel called to a vocation to be a father. And, and the, some of the messages they send, just like I mentioned before, really surprised me because I don't feel like what I'm doing is really should be that unique, right? Like, I mean, I'm like a dad and yeah, I have a professional life. I work out, but, but to these, like even that example, it's more unique than it should be, right? I guess is oh, what I'm yeah. trying to say. Um, Definitely. And so people, guys who have sent me messages and say, like, I just, you know, really am encouraged by your page. And it's like, wow, that's in some ways why I'm doing this. But in other ways, it's it's kind of sad that it just seems unique when it should be, you know, a vocation that the majority of men are called to, right? And, and the example yeah. that they're showing. So absolutely. Well, keep being unique, brother. I appreciate it. Um, it's been so awesome having you on here, man. And just to be able to have this conversation with somebody. I love talking to people like you who are really embody seeking excellence in a, in a strong way. And so thank you for your example and, uh, for just encouraging other young men like me, um, and giving us somebody to look up to as well. So I really appreciate that. Absolutely. No, I really appreciate the invitation. It's been great. Uh, great talking with you. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. And everybody who listened today, just want to appreciate you tuning in today. Um, and uh, just encourage you to uh, continue to fight hard and be your best in your own life. Really take ownership. And, and I hope you really reflect on the things we talked about today with making excuses with your time. Uh, I think that's such a big thing. And I think we all do it. Um, we all complain. We all make excuses about things in our lives. And excuses can be one of the biggest enemies of excellence. And so I really encourage you to take stock, You know, do a little audit of your time and how you're spending your time and see if there's a little bit more time in there for fitness, for prayer, for reading and other things that will help make you and your whole life better. So um, know that we're praying for you. Thank you for listening today, and God bless.